0: As we usually start our podcast, we start with a deep breath in and a slow breath out. And I welcome everyone to our mindfulness podcast. Another episode, this this week we talk about an important topic, right? So stay with us. But before, a little bit of news. So we are here, not with Pat, that we you know send him all the best, but with Yolanda. Um, hi Yolanda, thanks for joining.
1: Hello, thank you for having me here.
0: Uh so, so any any news or something is worth sharing from Kindril for our audience?
1: Um we're just going through a lot of big changes and we're just excited about all the good things that are happening within Kindrill and mm-hmm. we're just looking forward to the to the next chapter and the next journey that we have.
0: Okay. So, uh, concerning IBM, uh, there is basically two important news. One, uh, we already shared in the past podcast. Um, we started Time, right, our workshop, our experience, the best opportunity for IBMers to really get in touch with mindfulness. It started last week. This week also some cohorts started, and in the next weeks are starting more. Uh, thank you, everybody that enrolled. We have more than three hundred of you. Thank you, all the supervisors that are making the cohorts. We have like more than six cohorts that are effectively going on and running, and uh, we are going to share the updates along with the podcast. And another news is about the newsletter. This week, finally, after several months, we launch again the newsletter. We hope to make it a to make it quarterly at least. And in this quarter newsletter, we just want to share, you know, the happenings, the results, the information, anything about mindfulness. So if you would like to write an article, let us know. If you'd like to, you know, have a a space in the newsletter Um, and also share it with IBMers, because maybe, you know, it's an opportunity as well to give more hints about the benefits and the strength of mindfulness uh, across IBM. So that's it. And today uh, we introduce our guests in a wonderful way, because um, uh, this is the month uh, that is actually uh, uh, awareness month for the topic of uh, neurodiversity that uh, Nat Lichkowski, our guest today that I welcome, is uh, you know kind of strong advocate and also leader within IBM, right So this month there are many activities, so I welcome you Nat. Thank you for being in the podcast. How are you doing?
2: Thank you so much for the invitation. And thank you to the listeners who are dedicating some of your time today. So
0: let's start with one thing. Like I, I want to start immediately with that. So why we talk about neurodiversity now that is the beginning of April?
2: Ah, oh, great question. So while neurodiversity should be talked about every day, in my personal opinion, um, April 2nd is uh, United Nations World Autism Day. So a lot of countries all around the world are stopping to talk about autism on April 2nd. Uh, But at IBM, we decided to take that time and make the whole month of April and to talk about not only autism, but all of neurodiversity, all neurodivergent differences, such as autism, ADHD, things that people were born with, and also neurological differences that people may have acquired over time. This is a diversity factor, just like race, just like gender. It's not something I could leave home. Uh, and I'm very proud to be a neurodivergent IBMR And I'm also the parent to a neurodivergent. And we've been really working to make this the new chapter or a new chapter in IBM's diversity story.
0: So I think it's important to talk about, um, you know, I don't think it's, I mean, IBM, it's I think it's something we know, right? Many IBMers and also in Kindle, I'm sure, because these are, but not everywhere, right? So, and since this podcast might reach also other people, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, uh, neurodiversity, right? So, uh, not only about the language, right? And as you said, as well, how to define, but also about what are the maybe the uh, the complexity of uh, of our world nowadays about it.
2: Yeah. Well, I would say first, there's always and everywhere still battling a stigma of neurological differences that sometimes people are ashamed to come forward to say, I'm a little different. And the neurodiversity movement very much is following the same path of the LGBT movement, uh, because you cannot look at somebody and know they're neurodivergent. Um, And you just may have a different way of thinking So it's something that we can be mindful of. And frequently neurodiversity differences are viewed in society as a deficit or as something to cure or something that's broken or something to just mask. And masking can be emotionally and physically draining. So part of the neurodiversity movement in our language is to embrace these words right, to say and use identity first language, granted, that's a default. If people say, I like to identify this way, you always use, you know, the person's request. But that's why people say, I am neurodivergent. um, And we don't say person with or has or on the spectrum, right? It's not like saying, I use this frequently, but it's not like saying Lord Voldemort, Right, the it's okay to say these words. Using the words gives it power, and uh, it's it's part of who I am. Right, I am a neurodivergent woman. I am mm. not a person with a neurological difference that happens to have a uterus. This is who I am. It's part of my
0: identity. Mm. And it's important to share it, right? So, like, it's it's gives us more information to have a better conversation together, right?
2: Absolutely, and it brings innovation. It's not only nice to have, but there's business case to mm-hmm. it now, where studies have shown that neurodivergence can be 66 more loyal, 32% new innovation to teams, 92% more productive. Mm-hmm. And what's important right now is that there is a very, very high unemployment rate mm-hmm. or underemployment rate of neurodiverse neurodivergent individuals. Maybe somebody with a PhD in machine learning and they're working at the coffee shop because They can't get through the interview Mm. without somebody saying, this person's a little weak. Mm. And we have a skills gap. So if we have a skills gap and there's a very large pool of talented people, it's a win-win. And usually the only thing blocking that individual is the person that they're working with wanting to accept them for who they are and how they talk or how they move. Nah.
1: We um, Well, I met you last year in April. Um, you had a meeting there at Kendro, and you were describing what a neurodivergent person is, and everything you described was all about me. I said, oh, my goodness, that's me, and I thank you so much for that um, meeting that we had because now I know who I am, and I know myself as a person, and I know what I need to do um, as far as... It's because I would always think there was something wrong with me, and, and it was, but it wasn't. You know, this is just who I am. I'm neurodivergent, and I thank you for explaining that that meaning to us last year, and I just keep growing every day um, and learning more about it and trying to learn about what I need and how I need to learn and what things do I need to change so that I can learn better, and it's just been oh, thank It's you. been a journey. Thank you so
2: much. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm kind of getting a little uh, emotional and uh, that's really, I mean, it's a labor of love to work on these things because we still face a lot of there's cultural differences on how we accept neurological differences. um, And just changing the narrative, like instead of saying, you know, uh, Yolanda, what accommodations do you need? Right. Instead of saying that we can just say, how can I help you? Right? How can I help you succeed? Right. And when we do that, we remove the medical aspect of it to feel that you need an accommodation from the normal because this is my normal. Mm -hmm. And maybe I need noise canceling headphones, or maybe I need to have transcripts of meetings because my uh, my short term memory isn't very good, but I can go back to the transcripts. And with that brings. You know, new ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, frequently people say neurodivergents think out of the box, which is kind of kind of nice. I like to change it to say most neurodivergents don't even realize there is a box. So sometimes, sometimes our ideas are coming out of like out of the sky, and sometimes that's a good. Sometimes that's a good Mm -hmm. thing, right? You're looking at something maybe in 3D versus 2D versus 1D, and if we can all collaborate empathetically and with radical candor mm-hmm. and caring about each other it makes it more human mm-hmm. for everybody it's kind of like the the curb cutter effect right you you see the curb cuts in the sidewalk and they were put yeah. there for wheelchair users and but it helps with baby carriages and anything
0: not so we are talking about awareness as the way how we can collaborate better by mutually being aware of our differences now awareness is basically the definition of mindfulness in itself right so mindfulness is awareness now uh, what is how would you you know since this is also the mindfulness podcast how we connect uh, mindfulness and uh, neurodiversity
2: yeah i i i would think they're they're so closely intertwined um, because if I'm not, and, and at, at IBM, our slogan in diversity, IBM is awareness, acceptance, and then advancement. Because everybody has to start at that awareness step. So taking that first step to say, I'm aware there's a difference, either a difference in me or a difference in, in you know, it's right now, it's one in 20 people are neurodivergent. So one in 20, your coworkers, your family members. So I can be aware that you're different and I'm different and be aware. And that can be uh, soothing to our souls to know and have that awareness. But I think where the magic happens is when we move past that awareness into that sense of acceptance. Because with awareness that's still passive. Like, okay, I'm aware you're different. I don't want to work with you. I don't want to have lunch with you, but I'm aware that you're different. And then moving that up to the next step of of acceptance. And with that comes acceptance of who I am. Uh, Many neurodivergents have struggled with depression uh, or other mental health challenges until they had that realization that oh, I'm just neurodivergent. It's like realizing you're left-handed and all this time you've been trying to use uh, your right hand. And having that sense of relief, like Yolanda had mentioned, uh, is very, very important to unpack those feelings, uh, whether, whether about you or whether about a colleague or friend.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah, I know
1: with me, mindfulness to me... Being a neurodivergent person, it is about awareness, but it goes Mm -hmm. deeper for me. It's more like curiosity. I'm very curious about my neurodivergent. So mindfulness helps me to be more curious Mm -hmm. and to explore what there is there for me about mindfulness and about my life and what I need to do. So with mindfulness, I'm able to be more curious and and figure out what I need and then after I figure out what I need and it's just a journey, then you just are, you accept it, that you accept who you are without judgment because so many times people judge, judges us because, she does this or he does that this way. And What's wrong with that person? What's wrong with that person? So without judgment, just like mindfulness is just without judgment. Mm-hmm. So it kind of intertwines together for me, being neurodivergent and practicing mm-hmm. mindfulness hand in hand just goes together. So great.
0: And we judge ourselves as are, well, are right? You, Many times. It's not only yeah, yeah. other people, Absolutely, but yeah. us. Are,
2: are, either, are either of you familiar with spoon theory?
0: No. But please, oh,
2: um, this is fact enlighten us. So it so in the neurodivergent community, we f- we frequently because sometimes we don't know ourselves or we don't know we're getting excited. Uh, we talk about spoon theory, mm-hmm. uh, and spoon theory you can you can you know look it up on, online. But spoon theory was first documented or first written about by somebody who had a chronic pain disorder, mm-hmm. and the person would say, "Okay, every day I wake up." And I have to count the number of spoons I have in the drawer in the kitchen. Metaphorically, Mm -hmm. how many spoons do I have? I only have four. I slept poorly. The baby was crying. Something happened. I didn't sleep well. I'm in a lot of pain due to my condition. Okay, I have four spoons. I have to make the whole day on four spoons. Or maybe think of it as like half a tank of gas or in the car. So, okay, what can I not do today? What can I do to practice self care so I can get through the day on these four spoons? Okay, this item I'm gonna push to tomorrow. I'm gonna try to meditate more today. I'm going to do what I can, whatever works for me, to get through those four spoons. And if I use all four spoons, I've used 100%. So the next day, I might have seven spoons. And 100% for that day is seven. And I can't judge that yesterday I only gave four because. If I gave 100 percent yesterday and I gave 100 percent today, it, might, it still was 100 mm-hmm. percent, but it was a 100 percent of what I had, and for me to be mindful of, okay, I'm running out of spoons, my spoons are low. Um, we can almost think of it like uh, your cell phone, mm-hmm. right? You see your cell phone go on red, and everybody's like, "Oh, I need a charger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got a charge. It's going red." But we don't take that time, that realization to say, my brain, my body is going on red. I need to take a walk. I need to have some food or take some deep breaths. So uh, learning about yourself and embracing and looking at how many spoons you have and know that each, each day is different. Right? You you have a you only have four spoons today, but it's a weekend, so that's fine. I only have four spoons and I have three conference calls and a presentation to do. That's not enough.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> need many more spoons for that, but okay. <laughs> but okay, interesting. Interesting.
1: Hmm, uh, that. That's great. So
0: self awareness. Self awareness is important. Awareness in itself, acceptance. And, uh, you know, and that's also something that can be, the the good thing about mindfulness here is that it can be practiced, right? All all we say is like if you, you know, want to accept yourself more, uh, regardless for, you know, how you, what is the status of acceptance you have now, you can get better if you practice it every day, Right. Uh, maybe with self-compassion, or with the uh, kind self-kindness, little acts mm-hmm. of self-kindness, right? Or with the beautiful awareness program that actually uh, Nat is uh, bringing forward, um, that is actually aiming to share more insight into the kind of the world of neurodiversity, right?
2: Absolutely, it's all about allyship, and you could be a cell, you could be ally to mm-hmm. yourself. Uh, and an ally to others by by asking questions by not having this like oh i'm afraid to ask the question i might use the wrong word i might upset everybody but if we can get past that to say i don't know if this is the right way to ask the question but i have a question and maybe you could help direct me so i can learn Um, and if we ask with that mindfulness if we ask with that sense of openness that we want to learn uh, from the experience of others um and th- this is where i think representation comes in key like if you want to know how you can be an ally to neurodivergent people you have to talk to neurodivergent mm-hmm. people and it's one of the things that i'm very proud of at IBM is that our neurodiversity program is run and led by Okay neurodivergent. so let me stop you here
0: how to talk. Like, what What should I do? Because I, I maybe I'm worried of, you know, in, insulting someone or offending someone or not being enough polite or kind. So how to do it?
2: Yeah, I would, I, I like to ask people to think about neurodiversity as another factor of diversity. Mm-hmm. Let's say being a woman, mm-hmm. right? I cannot leave it at home like a hat. And if I use, think of the same language, like I wouldn't say, person with womanness, or a person that has a uterus, right? We wouldn't have women's awareness okay. day, all of those things. So if you just swap another word out, we would have neurodiversity appreciation day or pride day or celebration. Mm-hmm. I am a neurodivergent person, just like I'm a female. I, I identify as female. And if you just take that simple step of taking a minute and say, okay, let's swap this with woman, or lesbian or, you know, person mm-hmm. of color, does it make sense? And think of that in that respect instead of a negative, like we say, person with a broken mm-hmm. leg. Well, that's a negative negative. Um, and it's not part of my identity. So that's one thing to think of. Uh, the same thing you frequently see the puzzle piece icon sometimes to represent autism um, from within the community that's actually seen as a hate symbol. Mm-hmm because that symbol was devised by the medical people saying there's something missing mm-hmm. in these people. Uh, and neurodivergence and autistic people are whole people, not missing anything. Maybe the only thing missing is the acceptance of who mm-hmm. we are. So things to be uh, mindful of, of you know how, how to be an ally, mm-hmm. uh, like neurodivergence may be especially sensitive to light or sound or noise, and some people are like, oh, just get over it. And I'm like, if you have a rock in your shoe, you're going to stop to take the rock out. So for me, the very bright light or the strong perfume uh, is that rock in my shoe. Mm-hmm. And we have to stop and address it. So I can focus, right? You're trying to watch a movie, you got popcorn in your teeth. You can't focus on the movie, right? Because you're like, oh, I need to clean my mm-hmm. teeth. Um, so just thinking about all of these different things that come in, And have them be validated. So, like, if somebody says I'm neurodivergent or my child is neurodivergent, I usually say congratulations. Um, I say my I've said my son is autistic, and I've gotten oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm not. He's probably going to buy me a villa one day in uh, the south of France or someplace nice. (laughs) And what you know, when can we get out of our own way of seeing these differences? Um, If you think of the first. Uh, communities on the planet like hunters and gatherers they were in groups of 20 to 50 people which is the ratio and there was usually one person in that community that was a little different maybe they knew which leaf could cure and which leaf could kill people maybe they knew how to read the signs of the animals to say okay we should migrate to the summer camp or winter camp Mm. now and they were the shamans they were the medicine wise people uh, to know these things, and if you think about it, most likely they were neurodivergent. And
0: I, I think that there are a lot revered. of uh, situations where we, we, like, people discover much later in life, right, about yeah. being yes. neurodivergent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I myself, I was not recognized as neurodivergent uh, until college, mm. and frequently you'll hear some people use diagnosed. And we're trying to move away from that language because you don't get diagnosed being Asian or being a woman. So why should you uh, be diagnosed with being neurodivergent? So we use recognized. Mm
1: -hmm. Very good. Now, we know that um, there's some famous inventors that have autistic traits like Edison,
2: Einstein, Newton, Tesla, and even Musk. So what does that tell you? Yeah, (laughs) and even Herman Hollerith, who was one of the founding fathers of IBM. um, He developed the punch card system. He got his uh, engineering degree from Columbia University at the age of 19. um, And he was known to possibly uh, be dyslexic. When he was in school, he actually would jump out of the school window and run and hide when it was time for spelling lessons. And always, you know, was known. And uh, same with uh, Thomas J. Watson, Jr., uh, believed to have learning differences Mm -hmm. uh, and also battle with depression. So it's okay.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, It's okay to come out. And one thing we've done at IBM is we have now have this neurodivergent out executive program where our executives are now raising their hand and saying, I'm neurodivergent. And that speaks volumes for people to see a senior VP mm-hmm. uh, like Howard or oh, and, and and others standing up to mm-hmm. be
1: to
0: be seen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. And that's actually encouraging perhaps more people uh, in their leadership, yes. right? To, oh yeah. To do the that's same. Right. I think it's it I think it's important to you know in, to collaborate in a team if everyone feels good to be in the team and shares. Uh, you know everything that is important to share about themselves you feel better you just cooperate better and you don't that there is nothing that you are hiding that others don't know but you know and hopefully you know the, what you share with us acceptance actually doesn't imply anything in the future acceptance there is no fix no change acceptance is something in the present you can be totally okay with it that's acceptance. Uh, maybe I wanted to ask one final thing, uh, Nat. Uh, you were telling me you know, uh, about the language and about how to uh, accept everyone, uh, but you were talking about uh, there is also a way, a kind of aggressive way uh, we kind of discuss with each other. You were talking about microaggressions, right? And I wonder how oh, we can, yeah. um, you know, avoid to do it, right? And, and I guess many of these are unconscious as well, right?
2: Yes, they are. Uh, Sometimes you might have read something in a book or see, you know, see things on Mm -hmm. TV, things that get into our culture without thinking. Um, And a lot of those goes to, you know, stereotyping microaggressions like you can't be neurodivergent. You're not white or you're not male or, oh, you're neurodivergent. So you're a software developer um, or that. Okay, you know, I wanna I wanna get neurodivergent talent into my mm-hmm. company. I'm gonna get all of these neurodivergent programmers. They're gonna sit in the basement. I'm gonna throw cans of Red Bill down the stairs, and they're gonna be great. Mm. Um, but neurodivergence can be anything that they're passionate about, just like anybody else. So, you know, doctors, lawyers, landscapers, gardeners, you know, uh, you know, CEOs. Um, So sometimes thinking about that, uh, you know, sometimes has that degree. Also, if to say you're neurodivergent, many people also immediately apply that you have an intellectual disability. So it's kind of like, you know, if you see somebody who might be blind and they're speaking really loud to them because (laughs) they think that they could make them uh, make them different. But it's just trying to check those biases before you say that person is weird or that person is different or that person can't do that because they're this or that. Uh, and, and you could use that same rule of thumb of like, you know, swapping out that with, you know, with woman. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, a woman can't be a doctor. Yes, she can. <laughs> or yes, they can. And uh, you know, just just having that have it be another factor of diversity. And not something to be ashamed or discriminated against
0: so that is maybe bringing a third aspect that mindfulness can support and is non-judgmental right mindfulness is a non-judgmental practice and what you're telling us is what we just said is like a lot of judgment for things like for patterns for stereotypes for how a person should be because that's what are the characteristic of that person so, if we are aware of our judgment, we can avoid that. So, let's let's you know we would love to keep talking about it. So, I hope uh, not you can come back again to our podcast maybe to talk about more aspects of the of neurodiversity and uh, how um, you know how your activities and successes are going forward. So, to more people that are not only recognizing but recognizing themselves and sharing it openly and being okay uh with uh, yeah whatever it, it, days, it, right?
2: it, it, it would it would be an honor um ibm is a targeted neurodivergent hiring in 11 countries
0: mm-hmm.
2: we've had over ten thousand ibmers commit their allyship by taking our neurodiversity acceptance training online for think 40 credit mm-hmm. but there's so so much to do and i think what's exciting is that ibm is part of the neurodiversity at work Employers Roundtable. So they we come together once a month with companies that have an ND program. Mm -hmm. So IBM is sitting at the table with Google and Microsoft and EY and Dell. And many of these are competitors. But Mm -hmm. in this space, we're working collaboratively, because we all know how important this is, not only for the world, Mm -hmm. but there's, you know, there's revenue to be had too. So it's a win win. Mm -hmm. of course of course
0: so um is there anything that we should close and end our podcast with i don't know yolanda first and then not right not anything you want to ask again or something Uh,
2: i i i'd like to say there's a there's a saying to say if you met one neurodivergent you've met one neurodivergent because we're all different um I, i i like to modify that to say If you've met one neurodivergent, go meet some more because we're pretty amazing people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yolanda?
1: Yes, I have to say that being a neurodivergent person has made me more authentic with myself. So Mm -hmm. if you really want to be yourself, authentic self, you need to search inside of you and make sure that maybe you you maybe you are neurodivergent in some way or another and that's okay. Or maybe you have friends that are, a family that's are, mm-hmm. and just recognize them as their their own person. They're their selves. They're people yeah. just like we are and we're all the same. We all yeah. need acceptance, and we all need guidance, we all need love, we all need understanding.
2: And I and I'm gonna add something on there is that self Self-recognition and is, is so important. You may go to a doctor to say, you know, I'm going to take, give you this test that's going to tell you you're neurodivergent. And the doctor says, no, sorry, you got a 72 on the test. Or maybe you can't even find a doctor to give you the test. Mm. That doesn't negate who you are. Mm. Right. You're not going to go to the doctor and the doctor says, I'm sorry, you're 72% woman, 72% Asian, mm. 72% Italian. I'm sorry. You can't call yourself Asian or Italian because you only scored a 72. Who made the test? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so okay. acknowledge who you feel you, you are. And, and some people think we're all a little neurodivergent. And again, the answer to that is no, using the same diversity factor. Like, you Mm -hmm. might lose your keys or be anxious about a first date, but that doesn't mean you're living with that every day. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, like, respect that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. So for all the people that are... Uh, in IBM, there are, we put the links below for participating to the month, not only the month of April, but, but there is a lot you can do and learn and uh, get in touch. And for anything, you can always get in touch with Nat and following up. Um, for, uh, we always share a practice uh, every single week with our listeners. So this week, the practice is acceptance practice. Right? so you accept yourself awareness practice so you can be aware of who you are how you feel and non-judgmental so be a, be careful about your your judgment uh, inner judgment also about others Right. and uh, said that uh, thank you very much for being here for listening for sharing thank you Nat thank you Yolanda. thank you everyone and uh, see you and talk to you in another episode of the Mindfulness Podcast thank you very much <music>